And we're back here with the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. I'm Nathan Ruggles, and uh, we appreciate you joining us here today. I'd like to send some thanks out to the United Mine Workers as well as the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IEW Local 5. Uh, they support this program and all we do here at the Union Edge. Also, as a uh, reminder, you can not only catch us live on a local radio program, you can go online or website, theunionedge.com. You can listen live there, as well as uh, we have a podcast. Our podcast is on our website, or you can check it out on all the the, the most popular uh podcast platforms. So it's our pleasure to have back with us our friends from the Economic Policy Institute. They produce great information in terms of issues that affect workers across the country, and they've done it once again on the issue of infrastructure. It's our pleasure to have with us their budget analyst, Hunter Blair. Hunter, it's great to have you on the line. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks. So, uh, Hunter, you... um, You've been a budget analyst there uh, for a bit, and your focus has been on infrastructure policy. Is that right? Yeah, I work on taxes and infrastructure policy here. So I guess the, the, I understand the the big uh, issue right now, in addition to some, some great reports that you guys have put out, you've been talking about um, particularly what the Trump administration is proposing in terms of infrastructure. T- tell us what what you've heard in terms of what the administration is talking about. Yeah, so there was recently a uh, leaked report um, that may or may not be what the actual Trump administration plan is. Um, Looking at it, it does seem to look a lot like what people expect the plan to look like, Um, in which case, contrary to what they're saying, it's it's not a trillion dollars of federal investment. It's $200 billion, but that $200 billion, uh, they just – a White House infrastructure advisor uh, just recently, DJ uh, Gribben, he said that it's going to be repurposed federal dollars. And so what that what that's code for is cuts. Um, their budget, we know, uh, cuts the Highway Trust Fund by $139 billion. So adding $200 billion on top of that is just it, – it's not doing much net new investment. Well, well, not at all. I mean, when you said uh, it means they're going to have cuts and bring the money in from somewhere else, I didn't expect you to say that it was going to be from other infrastructure-related spending <laughs> that they, uh, you know, we, you think they find savings somewhere else magically, right? Now, you know, catch me if I'm wrong, though. So, yeah, you mentioned they talked about a trillion-dollar investment, and now they're talking a fifth of that, apparently, $200 billion. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember back during the 2016 presidential election that Donald Trump criticized Hillary Clinton um, that she wasn't proposing enough. Is that right? And, yeah, that's that, that's absolutely right. Um, and uh, and I believe you point that out, in fact, in, in, in uh, <laughs> one, of, one of your pieces in terms of she, she was proposing something more than that, right? Yeah, so um, – The Trump figures uh, rely on kind of boilerplate talking points about leveraging the private sector to get from $200 billion, which is what they're actually proposing with federal money, to a supposed investment of $1 trillion, and now recently he's been claiming it's $1.7 trillion. Um, And what that means is they're just kicking the decision to states and localities to figure out where the funding for this infrastructure is going to come from. And that doesn't really change the equation very much. I mean, states and localities already have to uh, make these decisions with very uh, little money coming in from the federal government. 
Now, now so you're saying he, they're they're proposing this this 200 billion will leverage up to 1.7 trillion in investment. Is there any evidence that uh, based on what you're seeing with their plans that uh, this has happened before that that type of uh, funding could leverage that amount of investment? So there's certainly this idea of leveraging private sector investment where the government puts in, um, say, $100 billion of financing, um, and in return, the private sector also comes in with a certain amount of um, financing but I, th I think the thing to remember here is that the private sector, it doesn't come in with financing for free. Even if you, even if $200 billion leverages a trillion, um, that means that the other $800 billion still has to be funded. There have to be either increases in state taxes or tolls and other type of infrastructure user fees to actually pay the trillion dollars. So you're saying so private and private uh, companies can come in here and be, and be involved, but you still have the question of where this money is coming from. Right. Uh, it's not 100% clear that it can be done on this scale, but even if it were to be done on this scale, we're, we're still talking about paying for a trillion dollars of infrastructure. He's just telling states that instead of the federal government footing the bill, they have to foot the bill. They have to find the tolls. They have to find the state taxes to pay for it. So in, in terms of we, we know that um, the federal government has been rather neglectful, right? I, I think it's safe to say over over um, decades in terms of funding infrastructure. What has been um, the picture in terms of state and local governments in terms of their funding for infrastructure? Are they in a position to be poning up a lot more money for this? No, so states um, and localities, they already constitute, uh, in 2014, they, they were 77% of public spending on transportation and water infrastructure. And so uh, a lot of this agenda, is, a lot of the, the Trump plan is, you know, if we're talking about $200 billion to leveraging a trillion, it's, it's the they're just sort of saying, we're going to continue kicking these decisions to the states. And in fact, because we're cutting the highway trust fund, we're putting more emphasis on making states figure out where to find the funding for highways and interstates. Now, I know that you, another thing that you guys have been uh, doing some uh, research on is in terms of uh, these public-private partnerships so tell us about uh, concerns that, that there may be in terms of the effect or, or the lack of effectiveness, potentially, of these public-private partnerships. Yeah, so public-private partnerships are usually how you get this sort of um, supposed leveraging of the private sector to bring in more investment. So uh, a private partner will come in and finance, say, 80% of a given project, and in return, they expect to get um, tolls that are put on, say, the road, or they expect to get payments from a state government. Um, one of the problems here is that infrastructure has historically been provided by the public sector because it has a lot of the characteristics of natural monopolies, so very high fixed costs and low marginal costs. It takes a lot to put in all of the uh, infrastructure for water pipes, but sure, sure. each uh, each additional uh, 
uh, amount of water doesn't really cost very much for them. And so when that's the case, a company can come in and keep out any competitors. And when they keep out competitors, this means that they're going to be able to hike prices or lower, lower service quality uh, if it's kept in private hands without uh, appropriate public oversight. And so it, it doesn't public-private partnerships don't get around the need for very serious public oversight of infrastructure. Because isn't there a concern about things like uh, corruption that is potential if there isn't proper oversight by the public of what's going on with their dollars, right? Right. That's absolutely uh, one of the problems. Now, and you also talk about, so the benefits and the reasons that, you know, public investment um, needs to be, needs to be long lived and it needs to be, have this sort of oversight over time, correct? Yeah. So public investment, particularly uh, at the point where we're at, where we have just uh, neglected um, so much of the public investment uh, that could really help the economy, has very real returns as far as productivity. Um, a, a long-lived, serious public investment agenda uh, would actually spend federal dollars to increase not just core infrastructure, but things uh, like early child care, early childhood education, investments in renewable energies, there's all sorts of things that we know could help our economy be more productive in, in the long run. So, so these types of public investment doesn't just have a benefit in terms of the actual infrastructure that we all then get to use, right? But it, it, then it has all these sort of spin-off economic benefits to the larger economy and to workers. Right, absolutely. It makes, uh, it makes, for instance, if we're talking about um, uh, core like roads and bridges, it makes shipping cheaper and easier, and this means that we are more productive uh, uh, as a nation. And just to wrap up, would you say that the required amount that we would need at this point for the sort of public investment needs to be more than the uh, $200 billion or rather something on the order of $61 billion <laughs> that is proposed by the Trump administration. Yeah, it absolutely needs to be more than the less than $61 billion being proposed by the <laughs> Trump administration. It needs to be on the order of at least a trillion, maybe two trillion, according to some estimates. Okay. Well, very good. Well, we do need to wrap up here. Uh, where can people find out more about the work that you do and more about the need for this public investment in infrastructure? So they can find out more at epi.org. Okay, great. Well, uh, Hunter, thanks for, for coming on the program to talk to us about this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that was Hunter Blair there with EPI, the Economic Policy Institute. And this is Nathan Ruggles here with you. And this is the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio.